0: I like this to tee up the Leafs and the Bruins tomorrow night in Boston. Julie Tescheri and Mike DiStefano with you right now on Leafs Lunch. The Leafs fell last night in Detroit to the Red Wings 4-1, to but I don't know. Maybe it makes it a little a little nicer that the Boston Bruins also finally had their home regulation win streak broken last night by the Seattle Kraken and, and broken pretty convincingly A B. Three nothing. They were shut out by the Kraken last night and and Martin Jones who's streaking right now.
1: Yeah, those Kraken ain't no joke. Like they came through Toronto, played well, they went, they dummied Ottawa, and then they go and they three nothing blank sheet the Boston Bruins on home ice. Like this team's—they're they, legit. They're—they're they're for real. We were kind of asking ourselves before Christmas, like, is—are they legit? I think they're—they've teetered from borderline to like, yeah. I think this team's—they got something here. They—they they, they definitely do.
0: Yeah, we'll have to ask. Sophia Yerksevich is going to join us in the next couple minutes. She's a Nessen reporter for the Boston Bruins, so she'll kind of give us a a little bit of look behind the I'm curtains kinda, as to what the what's up.
1: I'm kind of jealous though, because I know that a lot of Leaf fans were hoping that. Toronto would be the team to end that streak this weekend. Ah. And now it kind of takes a little bit away of the luster.
0: Yeah, it's not as juicy in in the words of our of our beloved Mitch Marner. It's not as juicy <laughs> that they don't get to break the streak. Uh but hopefully they can pick up a win tomorrow night in Boston. It's the Bruins and the Leafs It's Saturday night. What else is there to say? But we have someone on the line right now who you'll all recognize after uh, an esteemed career in in Toronto media and now she's with the Boston Bruins with Nesson, down in Massachusetts. It's Sophia Yerkstovich. How's it going Sophia?
2: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. You nailed
0: the last name, by the way. Oh, wow. We were kind of we shooting it back and uh, forth. But uh, I remember you from Hockey Night in Canada back in the day, so I wasn't going to mess that one up.
1: Sophia, I've got to ask because i got to know. Because my last name, it's, it's not as tough as your last name, I'll say. It, but it's, it's an Italian last name, and people do kind of screw it up from time to time. Anytime you had a substitute teacher in school, and they were going down the attendance, and they're talking, you know, Berard. Jacobs and then they get to your name their eyes, did it light up like a Christmas tree or what?
2: I mean, you're throwing me back to elementary school I'm talking this now today, like anytime anyone sees my last name, their eyes light up and they get sweaty and they're like, "Uh, uh sorry, I'm going to butcher it, I'm like, just, just call me Sophia, please don't even worry about it, so yeah it'll live with me forever, but uh, I'm proud of it it's my dad's last name and he taught me everything I needed to know about hockey so uh, I'm going to rock it as long as I can and
0: you learned it all in the uh, in the Toronto area. So it's kind of a, it's a new hometown team versus your OG hometown team. We always hear that the players kind of get up for games versus Toronto because, you know, the Toronto media kind of get get things buzzing very annoyingly as we do. Do you find yourself getting <laughs> a little bit extra juiced up for for games versus Toronto?
2: Well, you know, yes, not, not just because I'm, I'm from there, but, uh, there, I'm just driving home, actually just parked, uh, from practice today at Warrior Ice Arena where the Bruins were holding a practice and there definitely is a buzz in the air. Jim Montgomery, their head coach, was kind of asked about that. Um, you know, we, we all know, regardless of the history between these two teams, I think there's always a little bit of hype division rivals, number one and two, but he was talking about it and said, yeah, it definitely feels like a different regular season game. The Bruins hit the exact uh, midpoint of their season versus the Kraken last night, so they're officially through the midway point, and sometimes it's, you know, the dog days, but this one is definitely bringing some life and some energy into the city, and I'm sure, uh, you know, on the other side, like, you guys are are, are calling me to talk about it, so I'm sure it's felt in both places, but the Bruins are very well aware that Toronto's coming to town tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, and it's it's always, especially on hockey night in Canada, it's it's a big time, uh, big time performance between two of the, the top teams, not in the division but also in the league. But it's such a wide gap, and it's so strange that we're at the midway point. It almost seems like the Bruins have already run away with the division. I mean, do you think that the Leafs still have an opportunity to catch up to them? Like, is the mindset in Boston that there's still a race here, or do you think that the Bruins, you know, sit pretty comfortable here at the midway mark for themselves?
2: That's a good question. I feel like if you ask fans and then you ask the players, it would probably uh, be a different answer, and I'm going to speak for what I'm hearing in the dressing room with the players, if, if any time something goes really well, like it's a great third period or they come from behind or, you know, obviously you guys are very well aware of their record and how they've been playing, you know, Jim Montgomery gets a lot of credit from the players. And then he credits. So the players will say, Jim Montgomery's a great coach. He's in so confidence in me. We like his new systems. But then even this morning, Montgomery was crediting just the players and the leadership for some of the you know intangible things and then tangible things on the ice for their success, and so that all that ramble to say is that I just don 't think the players ever sit comfortably i don 't think under Patrice Berger on this team ever feels like oh we 're good or we can mail it in, or you know we 've got you know to a two goal lead in this game or eight points in the division or whatever, so I think if you were to speak with the players absolutely not I think they're very well aware that the Leafs absolutely could uh chase them they're playing very well and if they continue to play that well uh, that way excuse me and if Boston kind of were to sleep on that obviously it's very possible and they're just very aware not to sleep on their success or take it for granted.
0: Yeah, one of the most well-respected things about the Boston Bruins, their their leadership group and, and the way that uh, nothing ever quite feels good enough. They're always putting in the work. But can you just take a step back to kind of tell us a little bit about what that home streak was like when they didn't lose at home in regulation at all? What was the, the vibe like around the team what was the energy like in the arena? And then to contrast that was it a little bit, even though it was a crazy streak and it wasn't going to last forever, a little bit tragic to have it end last night.
2: I think so. I think because it it ended in a shutout manner as well. So, you yeah. know, they didn't even get a goal on the board. Um, and although it was a really fast paced game and some really exciting moments, a break a breakaway by David Pasternak and all that uh, jazz, you know, Lena Salmark making some big saves. I think it was, just sad, sad for the team, you know they were they were uh, to quote Jim Montgomery, pissed off um, that it happened. But yeah, it had to end. And and to answer the first part of your question, it was insane. It was insane. And this is someone who speaking from like I, I came covering the Boston Bruins in 2019. They were coming off of uh, this was 2019 2020, so they were coming off that Game Seven Stanley Cup loss. Very talented team. They had a great season that year. Then the lockout happened. And, or the, not the lockout, sorry, the uh, COVID lockdown happened, yeah. right? But, so they've been successful since I've been here. So the vibe's always been great. But this one is next, this one has been next level and unreal. And I think it's it's definitely because of the winning. But if you want to combine that with the Celtics having played so well at TD Garden as well, like this whole city was just, it's hard to put into words, but the vibe at the games, like a, Mon- a random Monday night in November game was it felt like a Saturday night original six, like it's going to be tomorrow, like crazy matchup, and it could have been, you know, um just a, a non-division like the Columbus Blue Jackets, let's say. And so it, the vibe was insane. Like it's, it's really hard to explain how fun and how pop in the TD Garden was. I don't think one loss is going to change it, but like I said, the team's unhappy about it. The city's a little blue about it, and uh the saying in the Bruins dressing room is "Do not." Like, we never lose two in a row, and they haven't yet. So that's something that when they lose, they they t- turn it up the next game.
1: On well, that next game will be tomorrow. The Bay Leafs coming to TD Garden, a place that uh, has haunted them in the past. Uh, I'm curious to, to get your perspective on this, though. We were kind of talking about it in the break. Like, you, you, somebody from Toronto, you covered, you know, hockey growing up here, and then you went to Boston, the Big Bad Bruins, a massive rivalry team. I mean, Brad Marchand in particular is somebody who we wanted to ask you about because he clearly is known as a big villain around the National Hockey League. But has your opinion of him changed from being able to maybe get to know the guy and, and getting to see some of the behind the scenes of how he interacts and what he means to that fan base and that team?
2: Yeah, I love that you asked me that question because uh, if I can go higher than 100%, and I guess to use a hockey cliche, I'll say 110%, it has changed. Um he is one of the most lovable, and I hate, like, I'm sorry to the Leafs fans listening to this. Like, I understand that they're like, wait, what? What are you talking about? But uh, truly one of the most lovable, deep person to fans. And the amount of work he does in the community that people don't see, um, the amount of time he spends with families and fans. Like, we get, as the Leafs do, the Bruins have a really good travel um you know, fan base or or fans living in other cities being an original six team. And so kids or parents or older people will be, you know, going to practices in, I don't know, Minnesota or wherever. We were just in LA and San Jose and he'll spend he'll miss the team bus just to spend extra time talking to them. He doesn't know these people, but he knows they traveled really far or, or they never get to see the Bruins. So he's so lovable to fans. He's extremely hard working and I, I I think that um coaches Jim Montgomery said I was always very impressed with playing against him but now playing with him or coaching him he can't believe how how hard working he is and yeah I mean he puts it on he's that that you know I guess agitator I don't I don't know if I want to use that word but whatever you guys as a whatever opponents want to describe him as yeah there's validity there because of how he's been on the ice but he's just um honestly guys you you know what's the saying you hate to play against him but you'd love to have him on your team not just as a player but as a person he really is next level and i was i was cautious i was weary when i first started covering this team i'm like what's brad really like and i gotta say he's the best so yeah yeah.
0: he was kind of public enemy number one in the nhl for a long time and now i feel like not just boston he's kind of growing on people and people are like ah it's brad marchand but i love what he's doing
1: well, there was, yeah. like, a two-week span, I think it was last year, where he was getting involved on, like, TikTok or Twitter. So like, He just into the, the Twitter beef with the Carolina Hurricanes. And then he was kind of starting to win some people over. And then he did that nonsense with Tristan Jari. And it's like, oh, okay, he's back to that. And he's kind of been off social media ever since. <laughs> but there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry,
2: sorry, I cut you off. know I was going to say, no, you're right. Like, he uh, – I can't remember. We just finished this three-game road trip. I think it was L.A. where – I mean, when he gets fired up, he gets fired up. And I think when he's talked about this, too, part of the way he channels his energy, he's like, look, this is who I am. This is how I am. I'm never going to change. And it's what makes me great. But it's also what sets me back sometimes. I think it was actually in response to that Jari incident. Um, And he's like, I've been learning as I've matured. To channel that energy in, a, in another way and oftentimes you'll see him get like really peeved off and then he gets a goal and an assist, you know, a couple of minutes later and it's like, yeah, don't, don't piss him off. And he's definitely hasn't always, but he's really trying to channel that energy and that anger into, you know, into his hockey skills instead.
0: We're with Sofia Yerksevich right now of Nesson out in Boston, teeing up the Leafs and the Bruins tomorrow night. And one move that the Bruins made ahead of the season that kind of shocked the fan base and shocked the league as a whole was letting go of Bruce Cassidy and bringing in Jim Montgomery. And, and so far that move has paid out in dividends. Uh, Sophia, what can you say about your initial reaction to that move? And I guess in turn, just your, your observation of what Jim Montgomery has done for this group so far.
2: Yeah. So I think like everyone was, I was surprised for sure. Didn't see it coming. Uh Bruce didn't see it coming. And obviously with such a successful record with this team and this core group, you know, mainly being the same coming back, um, it was a bit of a surprise move. And so the first impressions I've had of Jim Montgomery, I think, you know, he even said he wasn't this used to, um, the type of media we would have here in Boston or you guys would have in Toronto, right? Like really passionate hockey fans. So at first he was kind of like short winded with his answers and he was saying, yeah, I'm getting used to answering questions. Whereas in Dallas, when he was the head coach in St. Louis as an assistant, he didn't have to answer questions, but in Dallas they wouldn't be asking him about, you know, line changes or like the minute, tiny little, details or time on ice, everyone's aware of everyone's time on ice to the second and he's like, Wow, I had to get used to that here. Um, that's just from a media standpoint. From a player's perspective the other day I interviewed on camera, so this wasn't even like, you know, kind of an off the record thing. But Trent Frederick is having a bit of a career year with the Boston Bruins, uh, consistent third liner here and breakout year. And I asked him, you know, what or who has made the biggest difference? And he's playing with Taylor Hall. So you think that's a big difference. And he does credit his teammates. But like straight up right away, he's like Jim Montgomery. He's like this guy's put. Um, the confidence back in me and I i got to thank him for how he's been playing. And that goes along with someone like Brandon Carlo, Matt Grizz, like Brad Marchand, who we just talked about has been around the league and is a veteran skilled player before Montgomery He's like, he just makes such an effort to become friends with the players. And a coach is never really a friend. You'll hear a player say that, that there's an intimidation factor. He's your boss, right? Like, he's your boss. And sometimes the relationship isn't great, but you respect their hockey sense. In this case, he sits down and has breakfast with the players. He jokes around. He has very honest conversations. He's very communicative, and that's what they like. So something he said is, If you're getting ice time, you're going to know why. And if you're not getting ice time, you're going to know why. So it's not a guessing game. You know, I don't know how other coaches around the league do it if they just bench guys because they're mad or they didn't like their shift. Like, Jim will come and talk to you about it and encourage you to do better next time and how he wants you to do better. And so the guys feel like they have direction and something to strive for, and and a lot of them are a lot more confident for it.
1: Sophia, who to you do you think has been maybe the biggest surprise story for the Boston Bruins this year? To be Linus Omark, where if you open up NHL dot com, he's leading every single goaltending statistical category there is. Or Hampus Lindholm, who's really turned into a, a top defenseman in the National Hockey League this year?
2: Yeah, great question. I mean, you can make cases for both, and I guess I'll just speak for myself. I would say Linus, and I don't even you know, I don't even know why, because he's had a gr- he had a great season last year. A lot of people are talking about his um, stats this season, which, yeah, are evidently just, like you said, best in the league, which is incredible in, in several different categories. But last season he was really good, too. I think there was a distraction, though, with Tuka Rask coming back and Jeremy Salmon being around from the season before and having great, you know, I think it was 10 games um, before the season ended the year prior to Linus getting here. And so I don't think Linus was really the the focus. Um, So to me, that's been the biggest surprise because he is just literally standing on his head, super chill, super calm, obviously playing with a great team in front of him. And he's credited them many times for his all-star nod and all that. But there have been several times, too, that he's made one or two key saves that completely change the structure and the momentum of the game. And then the Bruins offense will, you know, and, and defense will protect the lead and continue the rest. So I would say Linus, and that's not to take away from Hampus at all. Um, He's been an excellent, like, what a good move by management to get him at the trade deadline the year before and um, an excellent, excellent addition to this team. But I think Linus being as good and as consistent as he is 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 pretty uh, incredible.
0: Yeah, as everyone starts to just scrounge around the defense market with the trade deadline limit, mean, it's hard not to look at that deal and think, wow, that was a really, really good one by the Boston Bruins last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Winter Classic, just, just behind us, but it actually looked like one of the best Winter Classics that I've ever seen from a fan perspective. The game ended up being exciting too, even though it started a little bit flat. What was that experience like for you?
2: Well, it it was awesome. I mean, the players on both sides, but of course I spent the most time around kind of the Bruins dressing room and practice the day before. Like, I think Gary Bettman said it was like number 35 or number 36, not of Winter Classics, but outdoor games. And um, I would say from like game one of the the first time there was a Winter Classic, like the hype was everywhere. I think the hype kind of died down a little bit in terms of um, everyone kind of tuning in, right? But it didn't feel that way here. It really felt like, um, a huge event for the city and for the players. And I love that because Patrice Bergeron, for example, has played in five. I think Marchand as well. It was Nick Polino's first one. He's a veteran, but all of them really were acting as if it was their first one. Like, and you feed off of that hype and you feed off of that energy. So it was really fun from that perspective. I think most people saw, you know, what they wore heading into the game throwback baseball jerseys paying homage to the Red Sox and the history of Fenway Park and you know the Pittsburgh Penguins did the same thing with Pirates uniforms and stuff like that so it was it was a spectacle as people were calling it but a real great vibe the weather was great it was just cold enough to feel like a winter game but not too cold where you know you were freezing like you can actually be in the elements and enjoy it and um, I think both sides but again I was around the Bruins more it had everyone and their family their grandmothers their kids like all their family and friends in attendance and just to feel that energy from the partners from the parents from the little kids running around it was just it was a great thing to be part of and the Bruins really uh respected and appreciated the event as opposed to being like oh we've already played one of these like whoop de doo they were actually really really excited and grateful for the opportunity
1: Sophia, really appreciate taking the time to uh, join us today. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll chat again down the road.
2: All right, guys. It's going to be a good one for the fans out there. Uh, enjoy watching it, and, guys, thanks for calling me. Thanks for your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Here she goes. Sophia Yerkstovich. I think I've got it now.